3, verses 5 through 12. There is this uh, PBS Kids show that I watched last weekend with my kids called Dinosaur Train. The first time I've seen this little show, but this particular episode was quite intriguing to me. And if you watch the show, you know the show is about a mixed species dinosaur family, you know, with a young with a young T-Rex named Buddy and his Pteranodon family. And everyone is aware of the differences. You know, Buddy he has sharp teeth, he has a tail, he has big green eyes, he's orange, and he has big blue spots all over his body. And now his Pteranodon family, they don't look that way. You know, they're green. They have wings. They can fly and they can catch fish. And so you can imagine, you know, Buddy's feeling like he doesn't quite fit in with his adopted family. The parents sense this. You know, they love him and they accept Buddy with all his differences. And that they start a journey to discover Buddy's dinosaur identity, his, his dinosaur species. And so the question that they are seeking to answer is, who am I? Who am I? That's the question that they're looking for in this particular episode. Who is Buddy? So they, they, they start this journey to learn and discover Buddy's dinosaur identity. And like him, every human being longs and searches for identity. They, people want answers to the question, who am I? Eventually, you're going to deal with that question. Who am I? And for you this morning, do you want answers? And if it's so, the Lord definitely has a word for you in, in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 12. Because in these verses, the Apostle Paul stresses to this church that their identity is found in Christ alone. Because they're in union with him. And when they understand this, and when they believe this, then they can execute it by living out a, a heavenly lifestyle. Because if you don't know who you are in Jesus, you ain't going to be able to live for him. If you don't first know who you are and what that means. Here's God's word. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexually immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, um, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. Put then on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. This is God's holy inerrant word. Please pray with and for me. For some reason, Lord, I'm, I'm overly nervous today, but I 
pray that nervousness is because I need you and not myself. Not overconfidence in my preparations, but a cry that I need the Holy Spirit to, to really move and speak through me today. And so that's my prayer. That the Holy Spirit will, will speak. That he will minister to your people. Young, older, as, no matter where we are, Lord, no matter what generation we are, I pray that your spirit will move in us. Take hold of our hearts. Take hold of our minds. Give us the word that we need to hear. Remind us of the truth that we need to be reminded of today. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Believers must understand and believe that their identity is found in Christ before they can strive to live a heavenly lifestyle. And identity in Christ is a union in Christ's truth that must be understood and believed. Because if you as a believer don't understand and don't believe that your identity is in Jesus, you're going to always live with an identity crisis. Always. Always. You're going to be on this never-ending journey to discover yourself, to find yourself. A journey of self-discovery. Spending all your life trying to find out who you are. You're going to identify as this. You're going to identify as that. Trying to answer that one question. Who am I? Who am I? And to me, that's one of the most important questions of our time, particularly for young people. Who am I? Many books have been written on that topic. Tons of talks given on it. Counseling offices are filled with people desiring identity. DNA tests are given with hopes of finding it. People take trips and journeys trying to find out who they are. They buy stuff trying to obtain it. They make changes to their body trying to find it. And others, where we throw ourselves into work, politics, and causes, and movements, trying to find identity. But what about you? What are you how are you trying to define yourself? Are you living with an identity crisis? And I believe people are. That's why they search and search. They buy and buy. They read and read. They travel and travel. They change and they modify. And for all these labors, people still don't know who they are. Still don't know who they are. They still haven't found themselves. They're still lost. Still have an identity crisis. And you may be one of them. You may be one of them. And the only way out of that cycle of crisis is to find your identity in someone else. And that someone is Jesus. That's being in union with him. That's having a faith in him. Because he is your identity if you're a believer. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have saving faith in him, then you will never truly have the identity that you're searching for. It doesn't matter what you identify as. doesn't matter what you get. doesn't matter how much you accumulate. If you don't have faith in Jesus, then you will never have the identity that you're searching for. St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. Restless until they find rest in God. That's why you're never satisfied. That's why when you get this new thing, you got to still get something else to fill that void. That's why you ain't ever happy. That's why you ain't ever satisfied. 
Because your heart is not resting in the creator that created it. Until you find him, you're going to always be on the search. Always be on the search. My favorite artist, one of my favorite artists, you know, he passed away, that prince. At one of his live concerts, he said that um, money won't make you happy, but it will pay for the search. (laughs) And then he said this. He says, in the end, what you find is that none of us are free. In the end, what you find, none of us are free. Jesus invites you to be free. If you don't know him, he invites you to be free. And the words, his words in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Do you want rest for your soul? Again, please know, If you don't have Jesus, then there is no rest for your soul. That's what he's saying. That's what that also means. No Jesus, no rest. No Jesus, no peace. He says his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So so if you don't know him, what you have to do is confess your sin. Confess that you are a sinner. Confess your need of him. Repent of those sins. And then surrender and submit your life to him in faith. And when you do so, you will be in union with him. You will, you will have this new identity in him. So what is this identity in Jesus? What is it? It's many things, but the overall big picture is that your whole self is wrapped up in Christ. Your whole self is wrapped up in Christ. Basically, Jesus is the wrapping paper around your whole life. Your whole existence is Jesus. You are who you are in God's sight because of Christ. There's nothing you have done. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. Identity in Christ, it answers the question, who am I? And what I love about identity in Christ is that it changes the question completely. It changes the question to this, who am I in Christ? That's the new question for believers. Because the who I am question seeks to find yourself apart from Christ. It seeks to define your life apart from Christ. And you never will. And you know why you won't? Because the I in that question is sinful. It's broken. It has shame. It has guilt. It's been beat up. It's lost. It has been abused. It is needy. It is weak. It is angry. It can be hateful. But when you add the in Christ, it changes everything forever. The in Christ brings resurrection, redemption, and restoration to the eye. And if you haven't figured it out yet, the eye is you. If you want resurrection, if you want restoration, if you want redemption, then you need to be in Christ to get those things. Nothing else is ever going to do that for you. Now, they can try. You can, like I said, you can be like Prince. You can search for it, but in the end, what you're going to see is that you ain't free. Because you end up becoming a slave to what you search for. It ends up owning you. You don't own it. 
So in Christ, you have been adopted into God's diverse family. Yes, it's a diverse family because we all don't look alike. And you are no longer an orphan. You are a child. You are a daughter. The king of the universe. If you don't know, these are amen statements here. Okay. In Christ, you have been brought into his body, his church, his family. And you want to be with his family. You are now citizens in his kingdom. In Christ, the image of God is being renewed in you. In Christ, redemption comes to the whole person. It comes to all the creation. It comes to the whole person. In Christ, you have what Paul tells the Colossians in verse 12. He says, they're God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I want you to think about those words. Because this is what he's saying to these believers. He says, you're God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. That's identity stuff. That's identity in Christ stuff. If you have faith in Jesus, then you are God's treasured possession. Do you know what that means? It means you are always in good hands, no matter your circumstances. The king, the God who created everything, says my people are my chosen possession. Think about the way you love your kids. God loves you more. Think about the way you treasure them. You provide for them. If you as a sinner can have that type of heart, imagine what kind of heart God has for his people. And he's not a sinner. That that blows your mind. Well, it should. They should be running around the church right now. Happiness. You are holy and beloved by God, all because of who Christ is. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 says, He chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world. Now, we can read these things for a Bible study, and it never really penetrates our heart. And I've done that. Oh, that sounds nice before the foundations of the world. But when that takes and gets root inside your soul, Before there was time, before there was anything, God chose me in Christ. Again, that blows your mind. Before there was anything, he chose me to be in him. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters. Through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. Who has loved you before the foundations of time? Has anyone else ever loved you before the foundations of time? No, because no one has existed. No. That's identity in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. Before I was even born, God loved me. He set his affections upon me. Do you believe that? Does it make any type of difference in your life at all? should. Believers are in union with Christ, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of God's own possession. True of you, true of the Colossians. It's your identity because you're in union with Christ. And when you understand and believe this, it changes your life. It changes the way you live. 
Buddy, our young T-Rex, who doesn't know he's a T-Rex yet, finally learns the truth about himself. And he finally gets his answer at a place called Rexville. I know it's kind of funny, you know, a T-Rex going to Rexville. And so the dinosaur train takes his family there. You know, his mom and his sister Tiny, they get off the train. And Buddy says to his mom, he says, Mom, this place smells like some place I've been before. It kind of smells like me. Yes, it does, buddy, because you're in Rexville and you're a T-Rex. See, buddy has a great sense of smell, and he uses this great sense of smell to, to lead his family down this little road until they run into an adult T-Rex named Doris and her daughter Annie. Annie's the same age as buddy. And when they notice each other, they start surveying each other, like examining each other's features. Same nose, same teeth, same big blue spots, same color. Then Buddy says to his mom, and Tiny, he says, I know who I am, Mom. I'm a T-Rex. I'm a T-Rex. He knows who he is. Not because he identifies as a T-Rex. Not because he identifies with T-Rex culture. They want to be down with T-Rex culture. He's a T-Rex because his creator created him to be a T-Rex. Period. And just because he's been raised by a Tyrannodon family doesn't change that reality. He's going to always be a T-Rex, even in the midst of that adopted family, because he has all the characteristics of a T-Rex, not a Tyrannodon. And believers who are in union with Christ, who have faith in Christ, you will also have characteristics that reflect your identity. You will smell a certain way. You will have a certain fragrance over your life. You will look a certain way. And when you understand this identity, then you will strive to live a heavenly lifestyle. Because a heavenly lifestyle is a reflection of your identity in Christ. You don't live that to earn your identity. You live a certain way because it's who you are. You have been made that by Christ. So you're just living out the reality of who Christ says you already are. Sons and daughters live like sons and daughters, not like orphans. They live like sons and daughters of the king because they are sons and daughters of the king. And you would never, ever be an orphan again. Ever. Again. Paul highlights certain qualities of this new life. Certain, there are certain characteristics that would be seen in all believers. And I call them the four R's of your new identity. The four R's of your new identity. The first one is resistance to the old self. Resistance to the old self. The old self is who you used to be before Christ came into your life. It's your old identity. It's earthly. It's fleshly. It's the sinful nature. And it still plagues you. It's like a residue that remains on the heart of every believer. It's a dirty stain. And it's inside of you. And you must resist it. Paul says in verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You, sexually immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these things you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. All of these characteristics are characteristics of the old self. The old self. 
state. We all used to live in at some point. Sexual immorality and all other godly forms. Craving what other people have. Wishing harm and evil upon others. Lusting out for money and status and material possessions. Adultery. Envy. False worship. All of these old self-characteristics can be summarized in these two words, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. The old self is all about self. It's all about what benefits self. That can be an immorality and it can be immorality. It's all about what benefits self. And that's all you live for. The message Bible says, and this means killing off everything connected with the way of death. Doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it. Grabbing whatever attracts you. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of God. That's a life shaped by the old self. And Paul says that we had once lived in those things. We had once walked in those things when we didn't know Christ. We lived in them with an unrepentant heart. Unrepentant heart. But now things are different if you are a believer. Jesus had a close relationship with three siblings from the village of Bethany during his time on earth. And these siblings are Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And one day, Lazarus falls ill, and he eventually dies. And, and so the family prepares his body for burial. You know, his hands and his feet are, are, are bound with, with linen stripes, and his face is wrapped with a cloth. And they bury him in a tomb. And four days later is when Jesus shows up. Four days later, and he, and he shows up and says, now I want you to remove this stone from covering this cave. And then Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. He's been buried for four days. Lazarus' body, decaying in the grave, rotting away. And when you remove that stone, guess what you're going to smell? It ain't going to be Febreze. Death is going to hit their nostrils. That's what they're going to smell. A decaying body, the smell of it in the air. And, and what I love about Jesus is, is that Jesus isn't turned off by the smell. He doesn't cover his nose because of the smell. To me, Jesus is the Febreze to the older sin and death. And the cross is an example of that. Because he tells Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And after he prayed to the Father, Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, if I would have been there at that time and, and Jesus would have said that, I was like, he's dead. And he's just saying, Lazarus, come out. Like, is that going to work? Don't, don't, don't let the Bible characters lose their humanity, okay? You will be thinking the same thing. <laughs> Lazarus come out. I mean, he's been dead four days. And the dead man comes out of the tomb alive. But still wearing dead man's clothes. Think about that. He's alive. He's breathing. But he's still wearing dead man's clothes. Hands and feet are bound with linen stripes. His face is still wrapped with a cloth. And then Jesus said to the people, Unbind him and let him go. 
because he no longer need those dead man's clothes because he's free from them. And so are you. So are you. Saving faith in Jesus frees you from walking around in dead people's clothes. Those are clothes of your old identity, your old self. And you do not have to wear those clothes. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetedness, wrath, anger, malice, slander, talking behind people's backs. You don't have to wear those clothes. Because the old self has been crucified with Christ. He has unbounded you from your old self, freed you from your old self. And we cannot use that freedom to enslave ourselves to the very things Christ delivered us from. Instead, we put them to death. We kill them. We take them off. We put them away. You must resist them. And repentance is your resistance. Do you repent? How is your repentance? Christ already paid the penalty for your sin. And he has given you repentance. and for, for, That's how you deal with it. Not climbing on the cross with him. There ain't no room for you. Repentance. Do you repent? Paul says in verse 9 that they have put off the, the, these are the old flesh. They have put off the old flesh. That happened when Christ brought you into his kingdom. But we all still struggle, right? Don't you struggle with sin? What? Do you struggle with sin? Thank you. You self-righteous people. Come on. Yes, you struggle with sin. And the way you did, you struggled with it with a repentant heart, not an unrepentant heart. Resistance to repentance is part of your heavenly lifestyle, and you must resist. A new identity resists the ways of the old self. You will struggle with it, but you don't have to live in it. Struggling with sin and living in sin, two different things. Two different things. Because when you live in it, you're like, care. I just don't want to get caught. But when you struggle with it, you have a conviction over you that leads you to repentance. The second R is what I call renewal of the new self. Renewal of the new self. This is found in in, in verse 10. He says, and put on the new self, which has been renewed in the knowledge after the creator, after the image of its creator. The new self, the new identity is constantly being transformed. If you are in Christ today, you are constantly being transformed. It's an ongoing progressive process. This renewal is what some call sanctification. And sanctification is not easy. It's not easy. Because God takes us through things. But as you've been transformed more and more into the image of Christ, becoming more and more like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to believe like Jesus, to value what he values, to love what he loves, to love who he loves, and to live like he lives. And please know that this renewing process is sometimes down through suffering. More often it is down through suffering. Not through the mountaintop. It's through you going through stuff. So when you say that prayer, Lord, make me more like Jesus, I hope you know what that means. He's going to take you through things to be more like Jesus. 
and said it's suffering. You see, the new self, it, it gets new clothes, too, in this renewing process. I call it, you know, new outfits. These new outfits are in verse 12. Put then on as God's chosen people, the holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Those are the new clothes of your new identity. As opposed to the clothes of your old identity, of of your new self. And, And if you notice this list, they are quite similar to the fruit of the Spirit. And that's basically what they are. The Spirit taking root up in your life. Dressing you every day. And so as a believer, that means you should pray without ceasing for these clothes to be reflected in you. Pray without ceasing that the Holy Spirit will dress you in compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And when you have these clothes on, then you will walk and live in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Then you will strive to to live in the mission of our churches to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Then you will strive to live that way. You will. The clothes of the new self has something in common with the clothes of the old self. Do you know what it is? When you look at this list of things, what do you think they have in common? Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetedness. Those are clothes of the old self. The new self, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. What do you think they have in common? They both impact the way you treat other people. Look at those, look at those practices of the old self. You do those things to other people. And then the clothes of the new self. Is seen in the way you deal with other people. And so that leads us to our final R of a heavenly lifestyle, and I call that reunion of the new family. Reunion of the new family. Because all believers are a part of God's covenant family. That means you're not the only child. And you can't function like you're the only child. Okay? Because if, if kids, were, that's the only child, they, they, they think a certain way. Because they don't have to deal with siblings. But when you're in a large family, when you've got siblings, you can't function like you're the only one. In God's family, we have siblings. And we are part of a family. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this family, in this diverse family, we are going to sin against each other. And we will, we're going to be tempted to quickly break fellowship with each other. But when you are functioning out of the new self and your new identity, you will strive for reunion when fellowship is broken. And so that means if you're not reconciled with someone who is a believer, then that means you're living out of your old self, not out of who you, who you really are in Christ. Because if you're living out who you really are in Christ, you will seek reunion and reconciliation with other believers when y'all break fellowship. You will. Because that's part of your new identity, is reunion with God's family. In Christ, look at verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Sin that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, 
circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian and Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So what does that mean? In Christ, we don't lose our ethnic and cultural identity. Instead, they are put in their proper place, and that is beneath Jesus. Beneath Jesus. Christians who live in any type of superiority, their, their identity is not in its proper place. Christians who think they're better than other Christians, your identity is not in its proper place. Because in Christ, there's no division, no discrimination, no prejudice, no stereotypes, no inequality, no superiority. In Christ, our differences are no longer grounds of separation. Instead, they become a reflection of the beautiful, diverse family of God. Only in Christ do we get that. In Christ, we all are equal in dignity, value, and self-worth. Everyone. And so the new self does not easily walk away from God's people. Don't easily walk away from the church. Don't easily walk away from other believers. We fight for reunion and reconciliation when peace is broken. That's what families do. Because if you're looking for the perfect church, you're in the wrong place. Looking for the perfect pastor, you're in the wrong place. We are a place where broken people are coming together. And, hey, we all have issues. I'm, I will sin against you at some point. I'm going to let you down at some point. I may hurt your feelings at some point. I may not do something you want me to do. I'll just go ahead and let you know that now. Then I can be like, Amos, you can give me grace when that happens. And I give you grace when that happens. But if I do sin against you, don't go talk to the elders. You come talk to me. And I'll do the same for you. Love me enough to come to me and say, Pastor, when you did this, that hurt me. Because if you don't do that, it means you don't care nothing about me. And if I do it to you, I don't care anything about you either. Buddy, our little T-Rex, he enjoyed his time in Rexville. I'm sure he did because he found himself. He learned his identity. And he had a great meal with his new friends. And before he and his family left, Annie, the, the other little T-Rex, she says, so you're the only T-Rex in your family? That must be kind of weird. Then Buddy said, huh? Then she explained herself. She said, well, you don't look like they do. Then Buddy says, some kids look like their parents and some kids don't. What really matters is my family loves me. Oh, so much theology in a little PPS show. So much theology. Some kids look like their parents, and some kids don't. What really matters is my family loves me. And then she asked Buddy another question. She says, now that you know that you're a T-Rex, don't you want to live in Rexville with your own, with your same species? He says, no. I can't wait to get back home because that's where my family lives. In Christ, people who otherwise wouldn't have anything to do with each other, are now family. Please know that. In Christ, people who would not even probably speak to each other on the street are now family. And if you don't understand that, then you really don't know what it means to be part of God's body. Because in Christ, people who are different from each other are now bound together 
by his grace. We have a unity that's stronger than any other thing we can attach to because that unity is the one who died for our sins and brought us together into one body. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that in Christ, the whole question of who I am changes to who I am in Christ. Because apart from Christ, we're not going to ever find the things that we're searching for in life. And that's truth. Some people believe that today here, and some people do not believe it. And that's fine. That's why we need your Holy Spirit to move in hearts. And if you're not moving in anyone's heart, then what I'm saying is just going in one way out the other. We're just, I'm just checking the box. I'm here just because I was asked to come. But Holy Spirit, I pray for them that you will penetrate their hearts, show them the need of Christ, and bring them into the kingdom. I pray for those who are struggling, those who are beat up, that you will remind them that they are new, that they are loved, that they are saints, that they are beloved by God, God's treasured possession. I pray that you will move. And I do also want to pray for the folks in, in Charlottesville and the evil that took place there this week. I pray for justice and I also pray for reconciliation. I pray for your church to really be salt and light, Lord. That we're, we are the true change agents in this world. And for some of us, we don't live that way. Help us to be peacemakers in the midst of conflict. Help us to be peacemakers when things fall apart. Help us to represent you. Help us to truly be the salt and light in this world so that people will look and say, there must be a God. There must be a God because your people are reflecting you in every area of life. And so I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I thank you that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's in your son's name that I pray.